0: It's the nightcap. Robert, Robert, what a man. We see him in swam Let's go. Let's go. Listen, listen, never turn. If you do that, they call you Myrtle. Let's go. Let's go. He could dangle, he could score. Who else, Bobby? Orr. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go! Let's go! What a pup! Oh, how she loves the Stanley Cup! Hockey man is what I am. Let's go! Listen, listen to what I say. Play that game the Canadian way. Hockey man is what I am. Let's go! It's the nightcap on WGR Sports Radio five fifty.
1: I completely forgot about the Don Cherry rap. It's so bad. It was timely oh, based on uh
2: based on how their unfortunate exit in the quarterfinal round, why not put that in there?
1: Especially that line play that game the Canadian way. You know, I've had this uh I've had this take going for a little bit now that I think the US is going to catch Canada in terms of international hockey in uh in quality, not just like winning once in a while, but I think they're going to seriously be better and this year was another step maybe in that direction. On home soil, Canada's not going to medal, and the U.S. is going to the gold medal games. they beat Russia uh, earlier today. It is the nightcap, Jody Biasi and Derek Kramer here on WGR. A lot of good sports tonight. As I said, the U.S. just beat Russia. Uh, you got the other semifinal in the World Juniors going down in just under an hour between Switzerland and Finland. I'm glad that, you know, that makes another interesting sporting event for tomorrow. Right? Like... Me and some buddies probably gonna try to get together for the playoff games. And now that there's gonna be a second thing you care about, so it'll be the U.S. instead of it being like Russia, Finland, or especially Russia, Switzerland. It's like we don't really care what happens there as much. Now that the U.S. Is in that World Junior game, maybe you go out, maybe you go find a place that has multiple televisions. You can watch both at the same time. So I'm I'm really into the World Juniors, and uh, I wouldn't say I'm gonna watch it over football tomorrow but i'm gonna to want to keep an eye on both
2: not to mention uh if
1: finland wins there's going to be a guarantee that a sabers prospect gets gold right lukinen and uh for finland and matthias samuelson playing Samuelsson. for Samuelsson. team I usa forget. i always forget he's on the u.s it's too early to say i'm not impressed by him his feet look a little stuck in the mud to me but that's okay that's like we we already knew that about him that he was uh more of the old-school defenseman. He's the Sabre's second-round pick from last year, by the way, Matias Samuelson. He is uh, currently playing for Team USA. He's at a good tournament. I'm just saying, you know, I'm a big speed guy. I think you know, you all know that about me if you've listened to me. Um, and he doesn't quite have that, but, you know, a lot of players are able to, uh, to get past that. Eight zero three zero five fifty is the phone number. I already got a call. I didn't even start talking about what I want to talk about yet. That's a good sign. So if you want to give me a call, get on the line. That's the number. And you can uh, text us, 550-550, or tweet at me at SneakyJoeWGR. I uh, I really wanted to start today's show talking about Casey Middlestat. It's the one thing that's been on my mind since yesterday's game. So the Sabres beat the Panthers yesterday, 4-3. to Anybody else have the same feeling, like anxious the whole game? And it's like, they're up two, okay, I'm okay. Oh, it's a one-goal game. There's 25 minutes left in this game. Then they score this, the third one. It's like, oh, okay, two-goal lead again. And then the Panthers come back and score another one. I'm looking at the clock. It's like, there's still a couple minutes left. And it was the whole time I'm like, oh, just don't blow this. Just don't blow this. I've we've Me personally, I've gone from a place of, during the win streak, they'd be down in a third period. I'm like, oh, they're going to come back. They're absolutely going to come back. And if they don't come back, they're going to make it. They're You know they're going to put in a great effort, and maybe they'll do it. And that happened over and over and over. We just got used to them like, okay, they're down 4 1 against Pittsburgh. Eh, there's still half a game left. And sure enough, they tie it. Or they're down in uh, the, the Minnesota game. There's only two minutes left. I'm like, all right, we still got time. We can pull the goalie. Like, I wasn't that, that anxious because it's like, I, I'm pretty sure they're going to be able to do this. And now it's like the complete 180. I'm playing Florida last night, who's not a playoff team. They're eight points behind you. You're up. By a goal with a minute with under two minutes to go, and I'm just like, oh, they're gonna blow it, they're gonna blow it, they're gonna blow it. And they didn't, thank God. But like that's kind of my mindset with them right now. I'm just I'm on pins and needles with this team every game now. Part of
2: that I think has to do with the fact that it is Florida and that they've lost seven in a row heading into that game.
1: Yeah. To the Panthers. And like a hundred in a row to Luongo. Yeah. Like
2: again, it's the saber killer, it's you haven't beaten the Panthers since 2016 in any arena, and they just keep clawing back in some sort of way. The moment I felt relaxed and was like, okay, they're actually going to do this, Skinner beating Luongo on a goal that Luongo
1: should have had. Yeah, he should have. It was still a good shot. Uh, I don't think it was a complete, it wasn't complete flubbery, if you know what I mean. Uh, but but certainly, like, you want you like, to tell by, by his body language, language. language. Like, that body language, yeah. he knows he should have had that save. Luongo in his prime makes that save. 100%. Luongo, not this year, probably makes that say. No, that's a problem Florida's had. I tr- I believe Florida, outside of goaltending, is a better team than the Sabres are. I think they're deeper at forward. I think they're deeper on the blue line. I think they have a franchise defenseman, Eric Ekblad, right now that the Sabres don't quite yet have because Darlene is still uh, super young. And Barkov's one of the more underrated players in the league. Like Their roster outside of goaltending, I would take theirs on the short term over the Sabres. I would take the Sabres because of Dalene and Eichel. But, like, right now, I think their skaters are better than yours. But the Sabres have had better goaltending all season. I would say both goalies, both Allmark and Hutton, have been better than Reimer and Luongo, and that's represented in the standings. Florida has not got good goaltending. And last night was another example of that. Even the Tage Thompson shot. like It's a great shot. He puts it exactly where he wants it, but I don't know. I'm paying a goalie that much. I want him to make that save. And the Sabres have been getting those saves. Allmark made a bunch of them last night. Continuing to be the main problem on this team, though, is secondary scoring. It is, like, I hate to beat a dead horse, but like we know the issue with this team, right? And one part of it that's not really being talked about is an individual. Because we kind of group them all together. The Sabotkas, the Larsons, the Giergensons, Thompson, Opozo, Sherry. And it's like, okay, the secondary scoring as a whole has not produced. That's absolutely right and certain guys have, you know, had some criticism. Kyle Oposo, for instance. I've defended him in the past, not really doing much of it lately because he is not producing. Never thought he was going to produce to the $6 million that he's getting paid, but the thing I've always said about Oposo is I think he's a $4 million player that you're paying $6 million. So, yeah, he's overpaid, but he's not Matt Molson, for instance. He's not giving you nothing. Recently, he's giving you nothing. He scored the other night, but other than that goal, I mean, he has been silent on the offensive end of the ice. And Sherry too, and to me, those two, for instance, they're just players that in the past, when they've produced, they're doing it with an elite center. So it's not a surprise to me that they're doing not much when they don't have almost anything down the middle that's not Jack Eichel. Sherry produced with Crosby, has not produced his career with, away from him. Oposo has produced with John Tavares and with Ryan O'Reilly, has not produced without those two. And there's a difference there. Tavares is elite center, O'Reilly's an all-star, but still. And right now, you're looking at their center depth. Look at last night's game with Eichel out of the lineup. Rodriguez skates on the top line, Middlestack got a couple shifts. I want That's who I want to talk about here in a second. But Middlestack takes a couple shifts on the top line. Otherwise, he does not really play. Look at the ice time last night down the middle. It's pretty incredible that Vladimir Saboka, a guy who has three goals on the season, five points. Two of those goals came like within the span of five minutes, by the way. Um I don't even remember the game. Was it was that at Florida? No, that was no. Montreal. Montreal, thank you. Um, other than those two goals, and he scored his first goal in the first game of the season when the game was kind of already away. Like he's just been silent all season. He played the most of any forward for Buffalo last night, twenty minutes twenty seven seconds. Second most for centers. Larson, nineteen twenty one. I think Larson's had a pretty good year. But we know what he is. He's a defensive center. He's not going to give you much on the offense. He got nineteen minutes of ice time last night. Then you have Evan Rodriguez who skated on the top line, seventeen minutes and twenty one seconds. And Including you saw,
2: you saw a couple of plays that yeah. could have been that should have been made that
1: Yeah, and he played almost four minutes on the power play. Rodriguez is pretty, uh, I, th- I think I've got his game figured out. I think he is a fast player. He's got nice hands. He's a good passer. He. I think he has good vision, but he has one of the worst shots on the team. Just plain and simple. And, like, that's okay. He was an undrafted rookie. He's going to have a hole in his game if you're an undrafted rookie uh, or if you're an undrafted guy out of college. And that's it. He's still, I think, a good player. Uh, I want him on my team. But the reason he's not a top six center in this league is, I think, clearly his shot. He's not much of a threat to shoot the puck when he's on the wing, especially there on the power play. He plays 17 minutes. Then you've got Casey middlestat 8 minutes, 48 seconds, none on the power play. And we know he doesn't play shorthanded, so nothing there either. 8.48 for Casey middlestat I don't want to say he's the poster. He's kind of the poster child to me for the secondary scoring. And there are excuses for it that are reasonable and that I accept that he is a teenager. still. that this is his first full season in the NHL. And if you look at the style of player, he is, you kind of knew he wasn't going to have the physical part of his game right away. He doesn't have the big body. He's not that muscular. I mean, he didn't, did he do I think he was one of the players that wasn't able to do a pull up uh, at the combine for his draft year. So you know like he's going to be limited in that part of his game. Like he might get pushed off the puck pretty easy. He's not really going to go to the tough areas, but you see the upside there. His hands are filthy. He's got a great shot. A better shot than even I thought he had at the beginning of his career. And he's really fast. Those three components of his game I think will ultimately make him a top definitely a top 2 line center in this in this uh in this league. If not An all-star level center. I think a lot of teams right now, if he was not living kind of in Jack Eichel's shadow for the long term, I think a lot of teams, you could build him up as he's our future number one center. And I think that would be completely reasonable. I think a lot of teams can get away with that. If he was on the Carolina Hurricanes right now, he would absolutely be that team's future number one center. If he were on the New York Rangers right now, he would absolutely be that team's future number one center. Like, There's a bunch of teams like that. Right now in the short term, though, is where we've got to talk about him. Because it's clear Casey Middlesead is not producing an offense. 11 points through 41 games. He's on pace for 22 points. And now we're at a point where he's playing less than nine minutes a night on a fourth line. And to me, there's four options. I put a poll up on Twitter, and I'm interested what you all think. I'm getting a lot of votes on it. Um. So, to me, these are your four options. You can continue to do what you're doing with MiddleStat. Sheltered minutes. Play him on the third line. Play him on the fourth line. Uh, don't play him on special teams all that much. That's been the biggest difference, I think, by the way, between the first quarter of the year and the second quarter of the year. He played a lot of power play in that first quarter of the year. In fact, I just had it in front of me. Where did it go? He was averaging... Just around two minutes of power play time a night in the first 20 games. Per game, he was averaging about two minutes. So a full power play. Since then, he's averaging 13 seconds of power play time a night. So his power play usage is almost gone. And now he's stuck on the fourth line. You look at his his uh, most frequent line mates. It's Kyle Poso and Connor Sherry. He's played with them over 30% of his minutes this year. And by the way, th- that line combo has... Had four goals in the year together. Four goals. That's it. Those three is a combo. And, I mean, the other line combinations he's played with, I'm looking at it right now, Kyle Okposo and Tage Thompson 12% of the time. He's played with Sam Reinhardt and Connor Sherry, just about 10. Jeff Skinner and Okposo for about seven. That was at the beginning of the year, I think. Okposo and Rodriguez. He's playing with Kyle Okposo a ton. Plain and simple. Remy is mixed in there, too and Jason Pomville, and they really haven't found the right line mate for him. So what you could continue to do is play him in sheltered minutes. That's option number one. Option number two, and this is kind of more of a football idea. Like, I had this thought about Josh Allen at the beginning of the year. I want him to play, take his lumps, make his mistakes, learn from them, we will be better for it in the long term. Now let's go to hockey. That's option number two. More ice time for Casey Middlestat. Let him take his lumps and try to live with it as you try to make the playoffs here. That's another option. I don't really like that option, to be honest. That is what the most people have voted for so far. About 800 votes. 38% say give him more ice time, let him take his lumps. Option number three. Surprisingly, this is second to me. 26%. Derek, let me know if you're surprised by this. 26% say send him to Rochester for right now. I'm surprised, and... It's not a terrible idea. It's Beginning of the a... year, I would have thought it, you were you were nuts. But now that we're halfway through the year, I'm not saying he's got to be down there all year, but I guess it's not completely unreasonable to say, hey, send him to Rochester for a week or two, try to let him find the back of the net in the AHL, maybe build his confidence up. That would probably be the thinking behind that.
2: Yes, but there is that other option, and I want you to to
1: bring that up before I speak okay. more on this. Okay, and this is what is in third right now with 23%. Move him to the wing. This is all short-term options, by the way. I'm not talking long-term stuff here. Move him to the wing for right now. And that would be my answer. Move him to the wing? Moving him to the wing,
2: because it's not just offensively where he's been having trouble. Sometimes he's defensively a nightmare
1: as yes. the center. Recently, I would say more than the beginning of the year. I actually thought the beginning of the year he was pretty good yes. in his own end. But, yeah, recently... There's a a giveaway from, I think, not last game, but the game before where he just kind of no-look passes it right in front of his own net, and it almost ended up in the back of our own net.
2: Yeah, it's one of these things where maybe if you give him a little bit less responsibility, you'll see more production on both ends of the ice. Mm -hmm. So I'm not necessarily agreeing with the less minutes part. I would like to see him playing in a different role at the moment to see if that could be helped. You have wingers that can play center on this team. Yep. Um, one of them,
1: you know, currently out of the lineup Giergensons. is Girgensons, but if, Red- well, if Eichel comes back, you move Middlestat to the wing. You're fine. You got Rodriguez, Larson, and Saboka behind him. Yeah. So you're fine. You've got you've got numbers here on players that can play center
2: for you, and yeah, they may not give you enough offensively, but at the same time, if Middlestat goes to the wing, he might be able to give you more production
1: that way. Yeah, I agree with that. The the thing the, the problem I have most with these four options is the send him to Rochester part of it. And why I might not hate that idea for like a few games because like I said maybe that could build his confidence up if he goes down there and lights it up. To me, the way the organization is set up right now and this is in part because you did not get out of Patrick Berglund what they hoped. I think even the idea, the idea of Berglund to me was always Yeah, the Blues pro- wanted him in the trade because of his cap but to me, the Sabres would have wanted him too because he is a guy throughout his career who has been a number two center you on good teams. You could have hoped for 10 goals from the guy and would have been very realistic. I wanted even more than that. I was thinking of him as this is a guy who has been a number two center on a playoff team for his entire career. I don't want him to be my number two center, but since I'm trading O'Reilly and Middlestat's going to be coming into his first year, to not have as much pressure on Middlestat to, hey, just show up and be my second line center, I've got Berglund who has scored 20 goals a lot of times in the league, who can step in and say, I can play these minutes, while Middlestat kind of figures it out. And since he's not here anymore, and he did not play well when he was here, now I've got guys like Larson and Sabotka and Rodriguez trying to fill that gap when they are just not properly equipped to do that. So that's kind of where my hole is. If I send, and then below that, Rochester. If I send Middlestat down, Less so if I move him to wing. But if I send him down, for instance, then I get one injury down the middle, and I'm nowhere at center. You're well, back to putting him there. Who is Rochester's number one center right now? Is it Kevin Porter? I think so. I'm not calling up Kevin Porter. No. <laughs> That's not happening. No, thank you. Not to mention, I, I mean, a... he's a good locker room guy, and he's captain down there, and they're playing well, but like, I don't I don't need to see Kevin Porter up here right now. Let's even just put Roche- the Rochester part of this aside. And you know, you
2: center depth in the Amrick system. You're a team that is struggling with secondary scoring, and yes, Middlesead mm-hmm. is a huge part of that. But are you really gonna send down one of your more talented offensive players? He's not producing, but he is talented. That's true, but they're not using him like that. They're not playing him on the power play anymore. I would I would put him on the wing and see if something could be sparked along that way.
1: I kind of like that option, too. My 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 initial vote was to give him some more ice time, let him take his lumps for a little bit. Um, but I I'm, you're, I like this idea. I like the move him to wing idea. Well, I, one
2: turns into the other. You yeah. play him at wing, you give him some more ice time, you see if it comes I, up. I, I could even play him with Eichel
1: for a few games I'm, on the wing, right? This I'm is not kind only of the, not against that, I am like, yeah, Let's do it. Like th- This is the kind of creativity I think they need to start having with their offense. Because that first line has been dominant. Past it, almost nothing. You look at what the Sabres are, what their players are on pace for this year. And you've got Eichel Skinner and Reinhardt who are all just about point a game or higher. Reinhardt's got 40 points and 41. Just for the sake of conversation, I'm going to say he's on pace for a uh, point a game. Past that. You've got Dalene and Lyon, by the way, is you're next to, and they're defensemen. And then you've got Palmaville, who's on pace for 36 points, and a ton of that came on the top line. Alposo at 16. 32 points is a joke for $6 million. Connor Sherry at 15. Like, 30-point season out of him. Middlestad, 11. Rodriguez, 11. Thompson, 8. I'm just not getting anything past that top line. So, to me, this is where you have to start getting creative. And... Getting creative to me starts with Casey Middlestat because he is absolutely the most talented player that's not on that top line right now, 100%. And I think your key to getting the secondary scoring is him. How do you figure out how to get some more offense out of Casey Middlestat? Because playing him with Kyle Oposo and Connor Sherry over and over and over and over and not playing him on the power play is clearly not working. The definition of insanity is, this, this this gets said a lot, but the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And for right now, they continue to try that, and it's not working. So, you've got to do something. Even if it means breaking up that top line, I don't want to do that. I love the idea of Skinner because I wanted him to play with J- Jack Eichel. I wanted Jack Eichel to have a all-star level winger. I know Skinner's not technically in the all-star game, but he should be. Second in the league in goals, for God's sakes. I wanted to see what he looked like with a linemate that good. So maybe the answer or the experiment should be, we've got to break up that top line to try to spark something somewhere else. And maybe last night's a little bit of evidence that you could do that. I think we we were all wondering a little bit, hey, is Skinner's season this year just a product of playing with Jack Eichel? I didn't think that necessarily. I think his numbers have certainly been inflated that way. But you look at what he's been throughout his career, never played with an elite center. And he's always been... 25 to 35 goal scorer. This year he's going to smash that, and that's because of Eichel. But you know what you're getting out of him, even when he's not a top line or when he's not with a top line center. He's not Okposo. Okposo needs a great center. He's not Sherry. Sherry needs a great center. I think Skinner, when he's got an average center, still a very, very productive player, and that's why I like him. So to me, maybe you could split up that top line because you know Jack Eichel is good enough that he's going to get like he's gonna get his goals, he's going to produce his offense, no matter who he's playing with. And it's going to be a tough pill to swallow, for me especially, to have to put him with some lesser wingers again. I mean, I was so sick of watching him play with Benoit Pouliot and Zemgis Girgensons last year. But to me, I think you've got better players than that, and maybe you've just got to try it because you've got to do something different here. Not to mention, I mean, that Florida game, as you said,
2: it was proof. I mean, Skinner creates two goals... By himself, there really, mm-hmm. and that is something that could help a guy like Casey Middlestad. I think that if you put Sherry back on that top line, he could produce because it was him with Reinhardt and Eichel right away at the beginning of the
1: season. Or Pominville, Pominville produced, produced one, on that. Funny line. enough, one guy we've since he really got here, like have we ever seen a Posa really play with Eichel on no. a consistent basis. He no. was always paired with O'Reilly. Always paired with um, O'Reilly. It's like. I don't know, could you maybe try to find a little magic that Oposo had with Tavares? He scored like, he was a 60-point player with John Tavares. Could he get me anywhere near with that with what he was then with can Michael? You, can like, you threaten 40 points with it? Right. And I don't need to do that. Like I said, I don't love this idea, and I don't want to do this on the long term, but I think at this point, last night's further evidence of this, they came dangerously close to losing to Florida last night, and they got three goals out of their top line. Two from Skinner, one from Reinhardt. Reinhardt was on the power play, maybe? Uh, no, that was a tipper. Okay. Bro, right, pilot right. shot that thing. And... That's right. So, to me, again, you're living and dying with that top line. And I'd just like to see some sort of experiment here. And Middlestat, to me, is the key to it all. He's the key to the ignition of getting some secondary scoring going, and they've got to find a way to spark him. Thompson too, a little less lesser to this uh, point because he's given them some offense even when he's not scoring. I think he's looked really good, but he he too for this. Like he's only got five goals in the year. Middle only got five goals. Those two have great shots, great hands, and they both have really good offensive skills that are not really coming through on the score sheet right now. That I think like that's where you've got to find the secondary scoring because otherwise you're gonna have to make a trade.
2: Yeah, and or you're not you're, or you're just not gonna have it. And while Middlestead has struggled, I, I think we've seen Thompson play a very solid stretch over the last six games or so. I do, too. I
1: hated him to start the year, but I think he's been
2: everyone, since then. Everyone was really mad about him to start the yeah, year. I was one of them. And yep. I was one of those people that said, hang on, hang on. And then he was healthy scratch, and I'm like, okay, now what are you guys doing? But – yeah. But then now you're starting to see it. He's woken up a little bit. Maybe, hey, oh. that, did you sing that? There's another I, no, option. No, I don't think about healthy scratching Casey Middlestead. I'm just yet. saying, if it not worked yet. for
1: Thompson and they liked the idea of Thompson, maybe they'll do it. Maybe not, they'll just be like, hey, it, we, it was a wake-up call for Thompson. And I'm not saying, like, he hasn't been incredible. He's got eight points on the year.
2: but He's played better than that eight points. Yeah. I would say this, though. If they're going to scratch Middlestead, it cannot be
1: for as, as long as Thompson was. I might hate that idea more than any, but. Whatever. Let's get one call in here uh, quick before we go to the break. Mike in Tonawanda, North Tanawanda, You're on the, the nightcap. What's up, Mike?
0: Hey, guys. How are you doing?
1: <clears throat> good. How about you?
0: Good, good. Big fan of the show. Um, Thank the you. The point I wanted to bring up was uh, I do like Rodriguez a lot, but how about putting Middlestad up with Skinner and Reinhardt? Um, so last night Skinner showed that, you know, he doesn't need a number one center because he can score without Jack Eichel. Mm-hmm. So maybe that will give Middlestad uh, a little bit of a boost in confidence as well, playing with the top line. And I think he could do very good. Um, I think he's very comparable to Rodriguez, and I think he's going to be better than Rodriguez in the future. So let's see what he can do on that line.
1: Yeah, I, I like I like it. Um, I like that idea. Mike, thanks for the call. Like That would be something I would be want to see them uh, try, other than the like one or two shifts they did it last year. I don't love the Rodriguez comparison. I get kind of where you're coming from. I just think there's a huge difference in terms of those two guys shooting the puck. Um, otherwise, I think, yeah, maybe there's enough similarities on the sh- for right now. But uh, like I said, I think middle just got he's got more weapons. He's got more weapons. So putting him with Skinner and Reinhardt, the best two wingers on your team, maybe that could light some things up. Reinhardt at center we even talked about either. I want to just mention that uh, briefly. Continue to talk about the Sabres here. 8030550 is the phone number. How do the Sabres get Casey Middlestad going, and what should they do with him for the short term? I got a poll up on Twitter at sneakyjoewgr. It is the nightcap, Jody Biase, and Derek Kramer here on WGR.
2: Missing jacks a, a huge hole and puts a big hole in our lineup, and I thought the guys did a really good job today yeah. of you know, playing a full 60 uh, together, sticking with the game point.
1: There is Sabres. He's not a rookie. First year forward, Tage Thompson. Sabres first year forward, if you know what I mean. It's his first year on the Sabres. He scored last night. I like him. He's a, he's very inconsistent at this point in his career. Um, but you can see it. Like, you can see why the Sabres wanted him. He's huge. He's fast. His hands are great. His shot is great. I think at the beginning of the year, I compared him to Josh Allen. Just tons of raw skill. And if it comes through, and he figures out how to use it all, he's going to be unbelievable. I like him. I like him a lot, and uh, you see his shot. I like seeing him on the power play. Use him on that one time side. It's tough, like you know he's not going to play in that top power play unit because that would that spot is occupied by Eichel. Uh, they're both righties, but uh, yeah. Thompson's played with Middlestat a good amount this year. It's kind of what we're talking about right now: how to get the uh, secondary scoring going. Most specifically, Casey Middlestat and my poll on Twitter: What are we supposed to do with him on the short term? Sheltered minutes. Twelve percent—that's kind of what's happening right now with him. Thirty-seven uh, percent is the leader. More ice time. Let him take his lumps. Twenty-seven percent. Send him down to Rochester. I'm still a little surprised how high that number is. And then twenty-four percent. And uh, Derek concluded on this: say move him to the wing. The only danger with moving him to the wing is I would be afraid you get stuck in what's happened to Reinhardt, where he plays starts playing wing so much that he just he just kind of ends up there. And he stays there. And I don't want that to happen. This team in three to five years, when they should reach their peak, when all of these guys reach their peak. Like, when is that? Eichel is 22. So he'll be 26, 27 at that point. (laughs) Uh, Middlestad will be 24. Reinhardt will be like 28. Ristolino will still be in his 20s. You'll have Darlene at like 23. And when you're supposed to be the best that you're ever going to be, like when all of those guys are in their primes, I think ideally you want Casey Middlestad as your second-line center. You want him to almost be like the Malkin to the Crosby, Malkin to – or Middlestad to uh, to Eichel. And how, we all know how important center is. How long do we go through Derek Roy and Tim Connolly being our centerman and year after year trying to make squeeze into the playoffs – with underperforming centermen, and finally now we got Eichel, who could end up being the best center in a league in a team history. That's a big bar to reach with Joe Perot, Perreault, but he'll be up there. He'll be up there at least. And to have another guy behind that that's got elite potential—that's how you win cups. That's how you win cups. When you have two elite centermen like that, and then obviously you've got Dalene. So it, it, different formulas. Like Ch- Chicago, for instance, they only had one elite centerman, but they had two great defensemen, and then they had an elite winger to go along with it. That was able to win Stanley Cups. The Penguins have never really had an elite defenseman, but they had two elite centers. I would say it might be too much to ask someone to be the
2: Malkin. No, I to- agree. Because like that's his, that's was- his ceiling, though yeah but i I don't know man like Evgeny i think is one of the more special players to have come through the n h l and on his own team, he probably would have won a ring himself
1: to me when you're the number one ranked prospect outside the n h l though in a given year I think what what you're saying in that is that he has i i i think that he has the ability to maybe someday reach that pinnacle of that like perennial all star MVP not MVP nominee when he's not living in his uh, his teammate's shadow and sure maybe he won't he'll he'll to me I would guess he'll never be as good as Malkin obviously. yeah I was gonna say Malkin but stepped in and just started tearing it up right yeah away. but what but what I'm saying is more have that elite center to go along with another elite center there's really no other. I'm trying to think of another comparison like that, but I can't really think of one. Malkin's almost too good for this example. I kind of agree with you. But, like, that's kind of their blueprint, is they have the best player in the league for a lot of years in Crosby, and then they've got a guy playing his same position that's also, like, on that level. And I'm not saying Middleset's ever going to be as good as Eichel, but, like, that would be the advantage that the Sabres would want to have over a lot of other teams, is they're going to be better at center than you. I would say maybe the Kuznetsov to a backstrom. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a, that's a much better one actually, because then they just won the cup. So, yeah, that's and gr- Kuznetsov yeah. it took a little while to get going. Yeah, and so, Backstrom right now he's not as good as Kuznetsov, but he is still he's a 70, 75 point player. But Backstrom's been at it for how long now? A decade. So, yeah. So yeah. it's like you know, can he be
2: the Kuznetsov to the Backstrom? Sure, the I like next, that one too. The next man up. I would say more the Backstrom to the Kuznetsov though. At, at this point. Yes, yes. Yeah. But like you see it though, there's a couple teams they do have that dynamic, and. Maybe you just need to be able to wait a little bit to have it happen. Uh, I mean, They're gonna have to. I mean, obviously, when the,
1: when he, this year he's not gonna, gonna give you
2: that. I'm gonna scoff at this one, but like when the Bruins were winning cups, Krejci was, cup. but yeah, Krejci was, yeah, that number two guy that was very reliable as a second center to Patrice Bergeron, I agree Jeff that.
1: Carter behind Anje Kopitar. Would you take Casey Middlestad being David Krejci right now? Yes. That's a solid. I don't think I would. That's man. a low key solid career. I don't think I would. I think you're the number one prospect in a given year. I think I want more out of you. He's never got to seventy points. He's only reached twenty goals three times in his career. I'm gonna say no. I still like the example, but I'm gonna say no. I want him to be better than that. But like I, mean, like I said, it's the same kind of a, blueprint
2: to patch up consistent sixty point seasons like it's nothing. He's he's very he's very good. And then, like, lockout season, 31 points. Like, I guess he he quietly put together a solid career. How valuable do you see Middlestad as? Because probably exactly that. A second-line center that can consistently get you 60 points per season. He doesn't need to be Malkin.
1: To me, though, the the example— I like both the Washington and the Pittsburgh examples better because those guys are cornerstones to their teams. Krejci has been with Boston forever, but was he ever— like you see a cornerstone to that team, I don't ever hear him talked about that way. I never, I don't really see him as that. I think well, not year, even more, even before.
2: I mean, are you passing up on sixty point players on the routine? I don't know. I think like teams like Chicago were doing that because they were cash strapped. Yeah, because they put all their money into mega contracts and
1: look how bad they are now for it. So what do you see middle Stat's upside as? I see Middlestat as Like what's his ceiling? Everything goes perfect for him. What is he? Hmm. Cuz to me it is like to me it is top 10 center in the NHL. I think he has that ability. I don't think I top don't think I, is... I would not guess he's going to reach that cuz that is a lofty goal. But I think he's got that talent. He's got the speed, hands and shot. Like those are the three components that you need and he's great at all three of them. He's just not it's not translating right now. I just think that it's a tough ask to have two of the
2: top ten centers in the entire National Hockey League. I, I agree, but that's, so what, that's do you, why what do you think his
1: ceiling of. is, then? What do you think his ceiling is? I would,
2: best case scenario, Casey Middlestad is what for them? Best case scenario, Casey Middlestad is a top 30 center along with Jack Eichel behind it. I, I mean, in, as That Eichel's sounds behind, like Ryan O'Reilly
1: to me. And different player, different different types of players. Different actually. styles, Different styles, yes.
2: but that sounds like Ryan O'Reilly. And how good is Ryan O'Reilly? I think he's very good. Is there a problem with that? The only problem <laughs> Question with Question two. Would you ol- take Casey Middles that being Ryan O'Reilly? And I'm gonna hang up and listen. Because the only reason Ryan O'Reilly's name is a little toxic is, well, the locker room seemed a little off with him here. Allegedly. And Misfortune tends to follow did you, him.
1: Did you see the referee push him to the ground last yes, night? Yes, I did see that. Man, but the like,
2: guy misfortune
1: <laughs> follows Ryan O'Reilly.
2: That's, yeah, know, why, that's really. why it's a bad name to tie to it. But
1: point production-wise? But you wise, understand where I'm coming from. Like yeah. he's a, O'Reilly's a top 30 center in the league. Exactly. And point production-wise, if that's what I'm getting But that's what you think stat, his ceiling is. I think that's the most realistic scenario I'm getting. But that's not what I'm asking. I'm asking everything goes perfect, best-case scenario. Because I would agree with you 20. on that. More realistically, he's probably top thirty. But to me, I see the ability. Then where I would bump it to top, top twenty. Because all right, then we're just splitting here. So we're kind of in the same. Yeah, because at that right. point, like again, like top ten center. Yeah. that's
2: a that's an unreal ask. You might you might be exaggerating that. I agree. It's un. It's kind
1: of. Well, I think it's kind of unrealistic. But I, like I said, I do think it's possible. I mean, it's possible. Michael Matthews. But like are players, it's not McDavid. possible. Evan Rodriguez, it's not possible. Johan oh, Larson, yeah, of it's course. not possible. Alex Nylander, it's not possible to be a top-ten forward in the league. But Middlestad, there, I think it's at least possible. That's all I'm saying. Are But are there worse
2: ways to have gone about it, even if it is only the maximum of being a top-30 center in the league?
1: No, yeah. I'll take, I'd sign up for that right now. I would not sign up for him being David Krejci, though. Let's go uh, quickly to Mike and uh, Kenmore before we hit a break. Mike, you're on the nightcap. What's up?
2: How you
0: guys doing? Good. How about you? Good. Thanks. Hey, um, Middlestad, I kind of get it. And the O'Reilly comparison is great, but he's also, what, seven, eight years younger?
1: Right. We're we're talking more like... It,
0: every, time yeah. to no, ahead. prove and we've already seen flashes of amazing middle step.
1: Yes. Agreed.
0: Um, big thing, though, that I'm thinking is, do you think the Sabres flashed what's coming too early? So do you think Botterell and, and Housley are thinking all right, here, let's, you know, try and do something too much too quickly with the 10-game win streak and how they're coming up.
1: Um, Are we talking in terms of middle stat here? No, 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 I'm just
0: talking in general, the Sabres.
1: Like, do you think they flash too early? Like, they're a year ahead
0: of schedule, so they come with the 10-game win streak and...
1: and Yeah, I I see what you mean. I, I don't... Very, very well. Yeah. To me, I don't believe that they are as good as they were at the winning streak. I don't think they're one of the top three teams in this, this division. I do think they're one of the top eight teams in the conference, though. So to say they flashed early, I'm going to say no to that because I think the win streak maybe. But to me, I think this team overall should have been around a playoff team. I didn't think they were good enough to make it. I thought they would have been just on the outside. I All off season was projecting them to be about an 86-point team. They're probably going to end up around 100. Um So maybe you could say, yeah, they flashed a little early. But to me, this team's upside with all the young talent they have is to consistently compete with Toronto and Tampa Bay and be a legitimate threat to them in the playoffs. And they're not that yet, and I don't think anybody thinks they're that yet, which is why I wouldn't say they flashed early, because I don't think we've seen that.
2: But Mike may have accidentally brought something up, though, You know, because we thought it was about middle stat. Because I remember they dangled... Being able to burn that first year of the entry, entry level, level contract to bring him in last year, yeah. Do you think maybe they brought him in a little too soon to try to get things going? Possible mismanagement of
1: one of the top prospects. Let me let me have uh, let me have four minutes to chew on that. Yeah, we'll come back and we'll uh, we'll answer that question on the nightcap. Jody Biasi and Derek Kramer. Before we get to the top of the hour here on WGR. Uh, no is my answer. It's the Nightcap, Jody Biasi and Derek Kramer. The question uh, before the break was, did we rush stat a little much, too much? I'm going to say no. I'm not too worried about the entry level deal.
2: Yeah, I, I just think that, you know, it's an interesting question to ask. I yeah. didn't necessarily think it more than I wanted to throw a thought provoking question at you.
1: It was thought provoking. I did need four minutes to come up with an answer.
2: Yes, and. Or five, whatever. As a matter of fact, we didn't even talk about it on air, so you were thinking about it the whole time. You are right. stewing. <laughs> the whole time. It was like an interrogation process. You're just <laughs> sitting there in that room stewing while I'm looking at you on the other side of the glass. The only difference is that you can actually mm-hmm. see me. 8030550
1: is the phone number. Let's go to Jerry and Kenmore. Jerry, you're on the nightcap. What's up?
3: Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, how about you? Good. Uh, you know what? Um, the guy the guy that called a couple minutes ago and said, are we a year ahead of schedule? No, we're a year behind schedule. This was the year we thought we were going to have last year. Um, I don't mean to rush the process, mm-hmm. but I hate the people that think about the San Jose pick and our pick this year and think, oh, we have this future. When do you think that San Jose pick is going to play for us? About four years from now. If that. Yeah. yeah. So,
1: you know, I look at things... It's still nice to have, though.
3: Whenever you have a shot, though, take a shot. Like, it'd be very important for this team, just like the Bills last year, to get into the playoffs. It's funny, I... You know, this time of the year, you usually find yourself the past few years looking through the mock draft. You know what I've been looking at? Uh, UFAs. Who can be a rental for us? Okay? Sure. And it's funny, because one of the ones I came across was, you know, Gustav Nyquist is up this year with Detroit, He makes almost exactly the same money as Matt Molson. If you gave them a pick and Molson, you could fit um, Mm. uh, Nyquist under the cap. And he's a 65-point guy. I know he's not a center, but you need secondary scoring. And it's worth every penny for me to give up that San Jose pick as currency to get into the playoffs this year. There's nothing more valuable in a team than experience in the playoffs. Give a young team an opportunity to taste
2: Playoff.
1: Mm. I agree with you on some level that I want to see them make a move like that. You have to be careful though with doing that too much, and that especially means to me first round picks. And the point about the first round picks is right; like it's going to be a late first rounder for the Sharks. Probably going to be a well. We'll see where the Blues pick ends up. It's probably going to be next year, and that's going to take four or five years before that player is like a real impact player for you. Look at Mark Pesek; he played last night for Florida. I mean, he took how many years to develop for the Sabers, and then by the time. But he the time here, he we shipped Tim them Murray for just cool ship them off, yeah. Right, so maybe you'll they'll use Super. this Sharks pick on some guy who will develop for three years, and then they'll trade him for a, a third pair defenseman. Maybe that'll happen. Yeah,
2: but, but at the same time, you you could see them hitting and, on that pick. And yeah. Just,
1: the, and the uh, the problem a lot of teams get themselves into. Pittsburgh had this problem before they got Kessel. Chicago's had this problem the past two years. Is when you continually trade first and second round picks, is mostly first round picks for this. Then yeah, those years you're gonna get that bump in secondary scoring when you trade a first round pick for Jerome McGinley, or Bill Guerin, or Carl Haglin. But down the road, it's gonna bite you because at some point you're gonna want those first round picks to be able to come up as young players and provide you secondary scoring, which is the Sabres' problem right now. They don't have that second level pros, second wave of prospects that's coming up. And giving them goal scoring. Those guys are in Rochester. And they're not ready yet. Because the the last GM didn't get high enough level prospects where they could play early enough. So you've got Sabotka playing down there, you've got you had Berglund playing down there, and you've got Rodriguez and just guys that you found. So to me, that's a dangerous game. I, to me, that's why I would not trade those first-round picks. If you want to tell me that I can get one of those rentals for a second in something or Molson, then I'm all in. But I'm not I'm not trading first-round picks, and I don't think they're going to either. I hope they don't. hundred five fifty is the phone number. We'll switch to football a little bit in the second hour. Me and Derek got some playoff predictions, and uh, Josh Allen was on the morning show as well. So we'll uh, play that back from earlier today as we transition to football. Wildcard weekend is upcoming as the first games start tomorrow. It's the nightcap, Jody Biasi and Derek Kramer here on WGR.